why is doctrine important? Why is doctrine important? Why is it that we understand the Word of God and see the Word of God and see the teaching that the Word of God has for us? 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you would look at that with me please tonight. We're going to be looking at, starting at verse number 10 of chapter 3, and then we're going to read all the way down into chapter 4 tonight as we get into the context of Scripture this evening. I hope you have your Bibles. I hope you're ready to turn and to pay attention. Uh, we're going to be looking at a lot of Scripture tonight, and uh, we're going to just have a wonderful time journeying through Scripture this evening. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, notice what the Bible says in verse 10, But thou hast fully known my doctrine. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. Manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, of, learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Father, once again, I ask for your help. Give me your wisdom, please. Teach us now your word. Help us to understand tonight the importance of doctrine. In Jesus' name, amen. Look back, please, if you would, with me to verse number 10 of our text tonight. Notice what the Bible says. But thou hast fully known my doctrine. This is Paul who is speaking to Timothy, his, uh, his apprentice, if we can put it that way. Timothy made Paul his mentor. And as this mentorship or a pastor or a preacher helping this young man who has now been in the ministry for some time, and as he's helping him and as he's trying to remind him, Timothy, of truths in which he is taught, he reminds Timothy, you have been taught fully my doctrine. That word doctrine there is the word teaching. Paul is speaking of teaching that which is right. Paul says, I have taught you what I have known 
to be right and truth, Paul wanted Timothy to understand the importance of knowing doctrine. Notice as Paul continues, Timothy has known what? His doctrine, his manner of life, purpose. Think about that for just a moment. Paul said, you know what my purpose in life is. Paul was fully aware of what God's will was for his life. And it was so apparent and so he was so confident in that that Timothy fully understood that Paul's, what Paul's purpose was. Let's continue. His faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. Look at verse number 11 with me, if you would, please. Persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which uh, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Paul here is summing, summing up his testimony. He's summing up what Timothy has seen in Paul's life. We spoke on Sunday about the persecutions that Timothy witnessed of Paul. Here we see testimony of this very thing. Notice how the Bible continues. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Do we need to read that one more time? All that will God live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Paul reminds us that when we live a life that is godly and following Christ, we will face persecution. We will face times in our life in which things do not go the way we think things should anticipate going. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Paul says as we're preaching the gospel of Christ and as we're trying to live a life that is godly, the world around us is going to get worse. Not only is the world around us going to get worse, but the people are going to wax worse and worse. The deception is going to continue to build. If Paul recognized this 2,000 years ago, how much worse is it now than it was 2,000 years ago? But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. How do we know we can have salvation? How do we know we can be saved? We can be born into the family of God? The Bible teaches us. The Holy Scripture teaches us. The Bible teaches us that Jesus loves me. Oh, how wonderful that song is that our children in Sunday school learn. The Bible, uh, Jesus loves me. The Bible teaches us. And the Bible teaches us over and over again that the Word of God uh, shows us the love of Christ and the salvation that we have in Christ Jesus. Notice now what verse, verse number 16 says. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. For doctrine. 
We already stated a moment ago that doctrine is teaching us what is right. It's teaching us what is correct and true according to God, according to his word. Then the Bible continues for reproof. If doctrine is teaching us what is right, reproof is teaching us what is wrong. God's word doesn't only teach us what is right, but it also teaches us what is wrong, what is an error. For correction. Correction is that in which teaches us how to get right. In other words, it shows us what is wrong in our life and then shows us how we can get right. And then, for instruction in righteousness. Instruction in righteousness teaches us how to stay right. Doctrine teaches us what is right. Reproof teaches us what is wrong. Correction teaches us how to get right. And instruction in righteousness teaches us how to stay right. Years ago, my boys got a race car track. One of those small table tracks that you put up. It has two, looks like railroad tracks going around it in a circle or however you design it. Sometimes a figure eight or a big oval. And you would have, uh, uh, you would plug it into a wall socket and you would have a trigger that you would pull. And when you pulled the trigger hard, it would go as fast as it could go. If you let up a little bit, of course, it would slow down a little bit. But the goal was, of course, to win the race. You would put two cars side by side and uh, they would, you would pull the trigger and you'd see those cars go around the track and you would try to win. You would try to beat the other opponent and doing so, especially at first, when you first set up the course, you wanted to go full speed because you wanted to win. You wanted to go full throttle, pull the trigger down as fast as you can and as hard as you can, and keep it all the way. And that's how you start until you hit that first corner, until you hit that first circle or part of the figure eight or part of the circle or the oval there. And as you hit that, if going full speed, suddenly the car says, wait a minute, I can't continue on this track. The track is where it's supposed to be, but it can't stay on that track because it's going so fast that that car will do one of two things usually. Sometimes it might start to slide a little bit and it'll lose connection with that track and suddenly it just stops, freezes right there on that corner or and most often it would start to flip and just flip off the table or roll across the table and you would have to get the car and of course line it back up with the track make sure it's there and then you would press the trigger and you learned that as you approached that curve that you had to slow down just a little bit you had to ease up on the accelerator you had to be a little more gentle around those curves for if you try to take them at full speed, that curve was too sharp for the car and the car would go off track. What a powerful and what a simple way of thinking about what the Bible was showing us in doctrine. Doctrine is teaching us what is right. God's word teaches us, here's the track. Here's where I want you to stay. Here's where I want you to live your life. 
Now, the track of life is not just simply a straight course. It's a windy course. And God teaches us that as we begin the Christian life, that there are moments in which we try to do things in which we ought not to do. We try to go too fast, or we try to take the corner in a way we should not, and suddenly, before we know it, we're going end over end. And we look at it, and we recognize in our life that we've gone a direction we ought not to go. And God, in His wonderful love and mercy, picks us up and says, Let's clean you off. Let's clean you up. Let's get you set on this track again. And let's learn how to take the next curve. Let's learn how to take the next set of track. Let's see how to continue in the Christian life. And that's what doctrine does. The Word of God teaches us where we're supposed to be, where we're, what we're supposed to do, the direction in which we're going, supposed to go. It then shows us when we do things in which we ought not to, how to get back on the track, how to get back to where we ought to be. It then teaches us how we can continue down the Christian life and do so rightly, learning how we can grow in truth. You see, truth is a powerful thing. Truth is a vital thing. When you speak with others, what do we want to hear? We want to hear the truth. In the businesses and shops, as in interaction with people, we want to know the truth. It's frustrating when we do not hear the truth. God wants us to know the truth. We want to to know the truth. This has been going on for generation after generation after generation. Look with me at John chapter 18, with, if you would please. I said we're going to be using the Bible. We're going to be using the Bible a lot tonight. John chapter 18, look at verse number 33 with me, if you would please. Jesus is being questioned. He's about to be crucified. And after he's been questioned by the Pharisees and has been mocked and smitten with, uh, by, the, by the Pharisees, he is now being questioned by a man named Pilate. Notice what the Bible says. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, notice this question, Art thou the king of the Jews? Pilate's looking for something. I believe there's many reasons many things which the scripture pulls out throughout the gospels and display, uh, displays on what he is looking for. He was looking for someone who could truly just magically uh, uh, speak the word and everything be what he desires and wants it to be. And Jesus was not going to perform like a magician in front of Pilate. And so what does Jesus do? The Bible says Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it of thee, or tell it thee of me? Uh, I wish we had time to look at all this truth right here, but as Jesus is preparing to go to the cross, he is trying to expose to Pilate himself where his heart is lying, to get him thinking that he needs the very one in whom he is questioning as Savior. Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? 
This is very exposing of the hardness of the hearts of Pilate. That thine own nation and the chief priest have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. That I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, notice this question, what is truth? Pilate was looking for truth. Just like the answer or the question we see all throughout society today, what is truth? What is right? What, is, what, what doctrine should I be looking at? What doctrine should I be learning and exploring? Jesus has already given that answer. Look back at John chapter 17. In verse number 14, notice what Jesus says. I have given them thy word jesus praying for the disciples for those who have followed him and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world even as i am not of the world i pray not thou thou shouldest take them out of the world but thou shouldest keep them from the evil they are not of the world even as i am not of the world sanctify them through thy truth then notice this statement that Jesus says. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify them, that they might also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them which also which shall believe on me through their word that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Jesus said, Thy word, God's word, is truth. The Bible teaches us in Psalms 119, Thy word is true from the beginning. And every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. God's word is true, and it's been true from the beginning. In other words, before the world even was spoken into existence by God himself, the word of God was true. The word of God was given. The word of God was there. And the Bible tells us in John 1.14, we looked at it a couple of weeks ago on Christmas, May we remind ourselves of this truth once again tonight. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is the Word of God. He was made flesh. The Word was made flesh. Jesus Christ is true. 
He is truth, complete truth. Before the world ever was, the truth of Jesus Christ is and always will be. He is God. He is true, holy, righteous God. There is no error in Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth. Jesus stated, I am the truth. You want to know the truth? Jesus says you want to know me. If you want to know the truth, the true teaching of what is right and holy and perfect in every way, then look no further than Jesus Christ. He is truth. He is the word of God. He is the word of God incarnate. He is truly God himself. And he is the one in whom, yea, we are to focus and to look at our doctrine. What is right is given to us from the word of God. And what the word of God is, it is Jesus Christ. He is fulfillment of all things. He is truth, utterly and completely. You need no look anywhere else other than Jesus Christ for truth. And when we understand, when we begin to comprehend the wonderful truth that comes through Jesus Christ alone, the Bible teaches us that doctrine does things. Doctrine begins to shape and to help us. It begins to navigate our lives. Go back to 2 Timothy, if you would, please. And I want you to notice, first of all, as Paul teaches Timothy, he instructs Timothy that doctrine gives direction. Doctrine gives direction. Look at what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.17. That the man of God may be perfect. Remember that he said in verse number 16, the scripture doctrine is profitable for what? For doctrine, for teaching, for understanding the truth of what God has for us. To teach on what is wrong, for correction, how to get right, and for instruction righteous, how to stay right. What does all that do? That the man of God may be perfect. It doesn't mean perfect as sinless. It means meeting one's potential. It means living like God wants. It's staying on the track. It's staying on the track of life, following what the word of God has for us. Throughly furnished unto all good works. I charge thee, verse number one of chapter four, therefore being God, Therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. And notice what Paul teaches Timothy here. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Paul said, Timothy, there is one, uh, as the the truth of the doctrine of God, as God begins to shape you through his truth, he says, it helps you to be what God wants you to be. It helps you to live life 
glued to the track, attached to the track of the word of God, attached to the track of life that God has set before us. And he says, Timothy, he said, I want you to keep teaching that truth. Keep preaching the word of God. Keep preaching Jesus Christ. Keep preaching our precious Lord and Savior, the one who has redeemed us, the one who has saved us, the one who has brought us into the family of God. Keep preaching Jesus Christ. He says, preach the word. That gives direction, that gives focus, that gives attention into where we are headed and what direction in which we should go. The story is told of a farmer who was out on his fields and attending to the, uh, his crops. And As he was attending to his crops, there's a meadow that was adjacent to his field, and he noticed that there was a little girl that was on the edge of that meadow, crying, lost on his farm. The farmer walked over to the little girl and said, Do not cry, don't worry, I'll take you home. The little girl, frightened and afraid, snuggled up to the farmer in his strong, harm, strong arms and, of course, coarse hands. And with a smile through tear-stained cheeks, looked up and said, I knew you would. She said, I was waiting for you. This man looked at her and said, waiting for me? What made you think that I was coming? This little girl looked up at this farmer and said, I was praying you would come. This farmer looked at this girl and said, praying? When I first heard you, you were crying out saying A, B, C, D, E, F, G. He said, what was that for? She looked up at the farmer and she says, you understand, mister? I'm just a little girl. I didn't know all that words that I should be stating, but I knew if I prayed the alphabet, God would put the those letters together the way he wanted to he knew i was lost and he knew how to put better or put them together better than i did god in his incredible mercy loves to put our lives in direction to give us focus attention this little girl to pray she didn't know what to pray but she knew god could direct prayer how much do we want purpose and direction in our life we saw a moment ago that paul knew the purpose of his life he understood very clearly what god's plan was for him there was no question in paul's life others clearly knew the purpose of Paul. Doctrine, truth, the truth of Jesus Christ gives us purpose. It gives us direction in our life. Let me take you back to 2 Samuel chapter 22, please. In 2 Samuel chapter 22, we find a king a man named David. And the Bible teaches us that here 
towards the end of David's life, David writes a song. And as he sings, he sings powerfully about the direction God has given through doctrine, through the teaching of truth in his life. The Bible tells us in 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse number 1, And David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my Savior, thou savest me from violence. Go down to verse number 33, please. God is my strength and power. Notice this phrase. Again, this is a song. And he maketh my way perfect. God does that which is right and true. God does that which is perfect in David's life. David said, He maketh my feet like hinds' feet. Hinds there is another word for deer. And setteth me upon my high places. David said, I had, I had direction when I learned and focused upon the Lord. As God taught David and as God's word taught David's heart, with that he understood the perfect path of the will of God. Was David's life completely without problems? Oh no, it was not. There was heartache, there was distress. The Bible says God saved him from his enemies out of the hand of Saul. He, under, uh, he had some difficulties. He had some persecution as we saw Tim, uh, Paul remind Timothy of. There were some things, some troubles in his life and God gave him direction through those things. God gave him purpose through those things. And he said there was purpose and direction was with such surety. He says, my feet were like a deer's feet. Have you seen a deer run up the side of a mountain or up the side of a hill in a rocky area? It is amazing at how quickly they can navigate up those perilous, sometimes cliffs, and run up the mountainsides with stone trembling and uh, ground beginning to move from the weight of their running and leaping up that mountain, and yet they are sure and they are very stable in their footing. David said, I was able to run, I was able to leap, just like a deer was able is able to leap over some uh, uh, some landscape that truly is dangerous and even difficult to navigate, but God was able to set my feet with a purpose, and I was able to see the high places because of the footing God's truth and the Word of God gave God's doctrine, the doctrine of truth in Jesus Christ, truly establishes direction. Psalms one nineteen one o five says, "Thy word." is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
God's word illuminates the path in which we should go, gives us direction, and it brings to light our path in which we should take. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 6 states, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. As we acknowledge God and acknowledge his truth and acknowledge what the word of God has in our lives, God directs us. God establishes our way. God helps us to to see the, the path in which we ought to go. He shows us the track that is before. He shows us the road that lies ahead. It may be just a very short distance. It might sometimes feel like you're driving through thick fog and can only see just the next little bit of road in front of you, but he will always direct. He will always illuminate as we follow him, as we follow the word of God, as we follow the truth of Jesus Christ. He gives direction. I spoke with someone today and I was so encouraged by it. Speaking with one of our dear dear people here and he was telling me about the opportunity of being able to get the gospel to others of how god gave a opportunity and an inroad an option to be able to pass out a gospel tract and to tell someone the gospel of christ What a blessing it is that as we go through life and as we begin focusing upon what God wants us to focus him and getting the gospel to others as Paul and others uh, throughout the word of God focused upon God illuminated the path, God showed and brought clarity to the direction in which we ought to go, how to pass out that gospel tract, how to witness and to tell others the good news of Jesus Christ, how incredible it is that when we look at the truth of God, God directs our paths. He brings direction from his truth, from from doctrine, the teaching of that which is right. Secondly, tonight, I want us to see that doctrine brings unity. Go back to 2 Timothy chapter 4, please. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Doctrine brings unity. So what do you mean, Pastor? If I have this chair here, if I were to take this chair and to say, I've changed in what I should call this chair. For I don't really believe that the word chair is right. Fitting. For this chair anymore i think there's a better word to call this chair in fact i believe that this chair is no longer a chair but it is now a noodle i'm gonna be a little corny for just a minute so bear with me please uh, follow along you see the the woods woven together and it's kind of overlapping itself and i'm not going to call this a chair anymore it's it's a noodle it's what it is. 
It's a nice brown leather noodle. We look at that somewhat humorously, and yet there are those who look at some things and choose to call something different than what it actually is. I might even begin a campaign that chairs are not chairs anymore, they are now noodles. <laughs> I might make up some signs, and put a picture and, of a chair and equals, and then I'll put the word noodle there. Chairs are noodles. I can fool and convince myself that that's exactly what it is. I could get others to try to rally around this cause of calling these noodles <laughs> instead of chairs. <laughs> but does that change the truth of what this is? No. I might convince myself and I might convince everyone around me that these are noodles. But what is it? It's a chair. If I think it's a noodle, does it change the fact that it's a chair? No, it doesn't. It's still a chair. But watch this. What happens if I were to begin calling all the chairs noodles? One of one, you're probably looking at me right now thinking, Pastor, you're crazy. Where are you going with this? <laughs> but what does it do? It causes confusion. It causes strife. Oh, we, we're, hopefully you're laughing about this right now. Hopefully you're, 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 you're finding this somewhat hu humorous. I tried to be a little humorous tonight. Hopefully you're doing so. But after about three weeks of me calling these noodles, you wouldn't probably find it as funny anymore, would you? Be like, Pastor, get over this. <laughs> Those are chairs. <laughs> what does this start doing? It starts bringing strife. It starts bringing disunity and it may even cause contention. It's still a chair. But because I've chosen to call and to state that it's something what it is not, it causes a fraction. It causes division. It causes hurt. The Bible teaches that there are people that do the exact same thing in other areas of life. Notice what the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, please, verse number 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. What's it saying? It's saying there are people who were told the truth of who God is. They were told the truth of who God, uh, 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 the truth of the Creator God, and yet they chose to take what was clearly seen, and they begin to change it. 
they begin to deny it and said, no, that's, that's not a chair. That's not what it is. I'm calling it something different. Notice how it continues in Romans 1. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Excuse me. Yeah, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their bodies between themselves who changed, notice this, the truth of God into what? A lie. A lie. And worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. What did they do? They said, you know, I'm not going to call this a chair anymore. I'm going to change it. It doesn't mean that it's not a chair. It's still a chair. The truth of what it is still is there. And yet there are those today who have chosen to take the truth of what God has said and begin to change it and have changed it into a lie. We see this very clearly today in things in which we see about the gender battle today. God says, I made male and female. That's two, male or female. And yet there are some who state, that's not what I want to call it anymore. God made a mistake. God made some error. That's not what it is. I'm not going to call this a chair any longer. Does it make it any less truth, uh, true that there are only male and female? No, it does not. God's truth will always be the same. And yet choosing to call it something in which it is not, it is changing the truth of God into a lie. Marriage today is trying to be changed. They look at the chair of marriage and they say marriage is not between a man and a woman today. God says it's between one man and one woman till death do you part. That is God's plan. That is God's purpose. That is what God calls marriage. That has not changed. And if we take what God states and begin to call it something in which it is not, it still does not change the truth. In fact, it takes what is what God says is true and it begins to change it into something in which it is not into a lie. By calling it that in which it is not. God's truth is true. God's word is true. There is male and female. There is marriage between one, one man and one woman. And that is God's plan. That is God's truth. And that truth, if we choose to change it, does not make that truth any less true. In fact, it exposes that there is a lie about, and we need to be careful because there's deception at hand. And watch this. Because of this... Because of them changing into a lie, what has happened? Disunity. Oh, I don't have to stay married. I can choose to divorce and go do whatever I want. That's changing the truth of God into a lie. 
I can choose to do whatever I think I want to do. I can choose to do uh, whatever I feel is right or whatever I desire to do. And that very thought and that very thing truly takes a part in causing division. Division is not being caused by stating that the chair is a chair, by saying that God is true, that God is right, that God is holy, that his design is perfect. That is not the divider fact. The the divider fact comes in when people choose to take God's truth and to change it into something in which it is not. That is when division happens. That is when disunity begins, when society begins to break down and contention happens in. If you're here and you're watching and listening and you have had some things like this in your background, you understand the brokenness, you understand the division, you understand the family problems, you understand the strife and the stress and you understand the brokenness that comes because you have chosen or because what was chosen in your past was something that was contrary to what God's truth has oh it's how vital today that we understand that truth brings unity it does not bring disunity and if we focus and accept the truth of what God's word has to say it brings unity like nothing else can Paul reminded told Timothy that there will be those who will not endure sound doctrine. Maybe you're choosing right now. Maybe I should just switch this guy off. Go to another channel in which he's not so direct. What does the Bible say about that? There will be a time when people heap to themselves teachers having itching ears they don't like this truth and so they go and look for someone who will align with what they deem as true but it is changing the truth of god into a lie we need to be very careful my friends that we learn and understand sound doctrine sound teaching the truth of what god says because the truth of what god says does not bring disunity it brings unity with those who love god and most importantly with god i don't want to be at odds or tension with god that brings so many more problems in one life God wants us to be in unity with Him. And it comes from knowing doctrine, the truth of God, and following His truth. But watch this. Paul continues, teaching us that doctrine provides rest. Look at verse number 4, please. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned notice this unto fables that word fable there is the word myth speaks of a piece of fiction that narrates a chain of related events especially understood as a historical meaning it's not historical it's not accurate it's not true 
But they turn away from the truth of what God wants and begins instead to focus upon myths. Can I go back to this human situation for just a second? What if I came up with a convincing story that the creator of the chair looked at it and said, you know, it does kind of look like a pile of noodles. There's these curves and these bends and everything is wrapped around one another and I can make an, a very eloquent story, a myth, about how the creator of the chair actually called them noodles and that's why I'm calling them noodles. <laughs> Does that mean they're not chairs? No, it means I've made up a story to try to fit my narrative that I want to convince you of. There's so many around the world today that are doing that very thing. There's a myth called evolution. It sounds plausible, but it is fully supported by nothing more than blind faith. We compare that to creation. The historical fact that is accepted by faith, like evolution, and yet is fully supported by a creator, God, who created the earth and all that's there. And how much we see that process over and over again through life. There was a creator for this chair. It didn't evolve. There was a creator that made it. There was a creator that made the wood or that uh, formed the wood that put the wood together that put the leather and put the uh, 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 brass uh, pieces around it and formed it together there was a creator why do we look around this world and say that all of this just happened for instance so often we hear about the refute of that is what about carbon dating and Things looking like they are much older than a younger earth of about 6,000 years as we look through historical, uh, historical uh, facts throughout the Word of God. Let me ask you this. Adam and Eve, along with trees, plants, and animals, were all created with age to be fruitful and multiply. When God created all these things, they were all fruit-bearing age. It wasn't just a baby elephant and a baby elephant and a baby Adam and a baby Eve, but no, he was a man. She was a woman. They were a fruit-bearing age. And, if God, and since God made all of creation with fruit-bearing age... Should we not then entertain the idea that God created the earth itself with age? Is that too hard for God? So often the pushback against the truth of God is age. But could God not have made the earth with age? There's many other reasons we can look at, but just something to muse and think upon. You know, when there's a myth, 
You have to continually repeat it. You have to invent ways to support it. You have to come up with the creator of the chair or the noodle. Look, saw and look, it looked like a noodle, and so that's why he called it a noodle. You have to invent ways to support it. And then you have to continuously look to maintain the myth. You have to continually fabricate ways in which to support your myth over and over and over and over again. You have to continue to look for ways in which you are, uh, uh, in which you can support that in which you want others to believe. What does that cause? That causes something called distress. It causes contention in one's heart and life. It causes stress. A few years ago, my oldest son David and I we went to the states for just a couple of weeks and. As we were in the States, we uh, traveled through uh, Tennessee. As we traveled through Tennessee, uh, we contacted my parents. My parents were able to drive down to Tennessee and spend a, a little bit of time with us there. And my dad and I, uh, and with David, we found a mountain in the Smoky Mountain range of the state of Tennessee where there was a tower that was built on top of this mountain. And if you were to go up into the top of the tower, you could see for mile after mile after mile. Beautiful view. Amazing how far you could see. And we decided to go up to this tower. And you could drive part of the way up this mountain, but then you come to a point in which there's a car park. And you parked your car, of course, and you began to walk up. Now, there was many that would go up, and so there was a wide footpath well-paved footpath that would go up, but you're going up a mountain. And it's not a short walk. It's a lengthier walk all uphill. And as we were walking up, we would hear comment after comment of, you're getting closer, keep going, it's worth the view. Wait till you see the view up there, it's worth it, keep going. But you need to get about halfway up, and some of those inclines were steep, even though it was paved. It was steep going up, even difficult at times for a car to go up. And on those steep times, when you got to a point in which it leveled out just a little bit, still going up, but not quite as uh, steep of an incline, there were times where all you wanted to do was rest. All you wanted to do was Find a place to find a little bit of comfort and rest. And as we looked for a place, mountainside on one, no real place. It was a warm, warm day and you didn't want to sit on the pavement because it was hot. There would be a bench or some chairs around. And oh, how we wanted to sit in one of those. Unfortunately, every time we got to one, they were full. Others were weary. Others were tired. Others were wanting a little bit of rest. It was hard climbing. And we wanted some place along the way to rest for a moment. You know, life is hard. It's difficult. This sinful world is never going to make life easy. And as we go through life, there will be times that we long for rest. 
a place to stop and rest upon that which is stable. And if you try to rest upon a lie, a myth, a fable, it's impossible to do. For when you try to rest upon a lie, it always moves. It is never stable. Even in the best of the situations that you can weave with the tangled web of lies, it's still like sinking sand. You're always trying to get your footing. And when you think you finally have a footing or you finally think you're able to find a little bit of rest, here comes another wave that takes you further down into that sinking sand. It's never ending. Oh, the myth maybe was entertaining at first to develop or to weave, but now it is something in which you are constantly working for and constantly entangled in trying to find your way out of that sinking sand. There is never any rest with fables. There's never any rest when you turn away from the truth. But when we understand and learn and search the Word of God for God's truth, it never moves. Truth is stable. The worst of the situations may crash around you, but there is a rock of truth that is constant and stable. And upon that constant and stable rock, you can find rest this is a chair i understand that what is what was a chair made for it was a made for rest it was made to provide some comfort you can find rest in this you can find comfort in it god's truth the truth of God and the doctrine of the doctrine that God teaches us from Genesis to Revelation provides rest. When those moments of life are difficult, we can come and we can state, I'm resting upon Christ. I'm resting upon Him. I know I'm saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven. I know what I am looking and longing for, and I'm resting in Paul understood this. Look at verse number 5 of chapter 4 with me, and we'll be done. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Look at this verse now. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. 
Paul understood that he was about to cross the finish line on that track that God had for him. He understood the finish line was very near. And he said, I know why, I know what's going to happen. I am going to be executed for preaching the gospel. But he looked and he says, I finished what God wanted me to finish. And he says, I'm looking to Jesus. For you see, when all of life situations come crashing around me, and when those who hate that I am standing upon the rock begin to attack and oppose me, he says, it's okay. Because when I close my eyes in death, I open them in the arms of my Savior. I open them in the arms of the righteous Lord who will deal righteous judgment. Oh, I might be mistreated here on this earth, but God is going to make everything right. Everything is going to be set in order. There is not going to be anything that is going to be unjustly left unfulfilled. Everything is going to be properly set in its place, and everyone will be properly set in their place. Every, every deed, every work that is done will be made right. It will all be judged righteously. And he says, you can't scare me with heaven. I might close my eyes here on this earth. My flesh might be done. But I have eternal life. I am going to be with the Lord. That's what doctrine does. It establishes one with such strength that we don't have to fear of what others think or what others may oppose about us. Because we understand that the worst man can do is bring us into the arms of our loving Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the worst they can do. How great is our God? How great is the truth that God gives us? Why is doctrine important? Because I can rest upon it. I can rest in a stable knowing God is giving me direction. God has truly brought unity in my relationship with Him and unity with others who love Him. What an incredible God we have. Doctrine is vital. May I encourage you this year to learn the truth of God. Allow God his holy word to teach you what is right doctrine is vital so we know the direction in which god wants and has for us and that we can rest confidently knowing that we are laboring together with those who love god looking for jesus christ